You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey everybody, welcome into the BallQuest Thursday Mailbag Podcast, each and every Thursday right here on BallQuest and on the YouTube channel. As always, like this video and please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, big thanks for the questions. we got tons to get into on basketball and recruiting, football, baseball season's right around the corner. There was a Kirby Puckett drop in there, so I appreciate that. Uh, but most importantly, here to get to begin today's show. We'll see you tomorrow night. I'm not going to ask I'm not going to ask you about any more baseball references because Listen. I don't I don't realize your age, so I don't know what you know and don't know in terms of uh old guys. So do you know, so do you know who George Brett is? Yeah, do you know who Babe Ruth is? What about Mickey Mantle? Have you heard yeah. of those guys? Yeah, those two guys are not in the same sentence as Kirby Puckett. And trust me, I know Kirby Puckett's baseball card now from Baseball Reference. Do you know George Brett? I do. Hey, I do. interesting I do. note. I had I had George Brett cleats when I played T-ball. I had Brett Five cleats. They were the coolest cleats. I had the most overpriced. My dad, my mom and dad went and bought me McGregor cleats for the rest of my baseball brief career because I was terrible at the sport. But my first year T-ball, I rocked some George Brett Five cleats. They're actually turf shoes. They weren't real cleats because in Kansas City they were playing on turf. But I was pretty doggone cool in my green Pirates uniform with my blue and white George Brett fives. Awesome. Look, look at Brett having a little swag back in the day. Oh. I went McGregor for the next 40 years, Eric Kane. There was not much swag. <laughs> Somewhere it left him along the way. <laughs> I, I texted for everybody watching and listening at home. I texted the group chat the other day and I'm like, damn, Brent, you got me killed today. <laughs> and he's like, um, he, genuinely, I could feel it. He felt bad. He was like, I didn't mean to, man. I'm sorry. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't realize you weren't born when okay. Kirby Puckett played. All right. It's okay. It's all right. World Thanks. Baseball Classic coming up. Way to tell me I'm old. Look, looking forward to it. All right. Hey, most importantly, though, I do want to give a big shout out and a big welcome to Exterior Home Solutions, a proud sponsor now of the VolQuest podcast on Tuesday. And of course, the uh, the Thursday mailbag question, a great company, Austin, and we're thrilled to be partnering with them. Uh, yeah, Jeff, Dustin, the whole group uh, at Exterior Home Solutions. We're excited about them coming on. Brent, longtime partners here in, in East Tennessee. And, you know, if you need help with a roof, siding, uh, a garage build, they, they've got you covered uh, with Exterior Home Solutions. Yeah, and it's not, you know, they're moving on up towards Upper East Tennessee as well, expanding every day. They've been in business for a long time. Big friend of the communities, big fr big fan of the Vols, you know, and, and are happy to be partnered up with, with us. And obviously we're elated to be partnered with them and look forward to telling you more about them in, in the coming weeks. And, and again, we appreciate the, the trust they have in us and the belief they have in us to, to join us and, and a partner here partnership here. It should be a lot of fun. Yep, it's going to be a blast, and uh, we're really excited to do business with those guys. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started. We'll start with Nolan AV. Uh, Austin Price, when you say James Pierce has some growing up to do, what exactly do you mean by that? Just needs a better attitude, late to meetings, doesn't practice hard, et cetera. I, I just think it's just natural maturing. I mean, you know, 
so many of these kids walk in the door and they've been the cat's meow at the high school level. And, you know, and in some instances, you know, um, they're just, they just don't have the same, uh, I guess, just routine, uh, you know, they're the, the same expectations coming from high school to, to college, as far as just, you know, how much more regimented it all is. And you're, you know, you go from, you know, two to two fifteen here, two fifteen to three here, three to three thirty here, and how it's just kind of more regimented. So I think it's just about, you know, maturing, um, you know, uh, understanding how you, you you kind of work with your teammates, work with the coaches, you know, um, all that stuff that I think, you know, that again, he'll get there. It's just a matter of, you know, just kind of having it all click. When you're a freshman, Brent, and you're not playing outside of special teams, it's easy to not have maybe the buy-in that you would have if you're going to play 45 or 50 snaps. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a natural thing. I mean, you know, the the Eric Berry's being ready to play out of the gate. You know, th- those are the exceptions to the rule. Okay, and, and I know we live in a world where guys are playing soon, you know, earlier and earlier, and you know, all those types of things. I understand that. There's a physical component to this where you have to be physically ready to play. Um, sometimes there's a case where guys are not, and then there's a mental component to where sometimes guys aren't mentally ready for what is at this level. You got to understand for, for a guy like James Pierce, when do you think the last time football was hard for him? I mean, right. I mean, when he was seven years old, he was probably the best player on the field when he was seven. He's probably always been that way. Right. And, And so you get into a situation where you've always been that guy and you get to college, and all of a sudden, you're going against Darnell Wright. Well, guess what? Darnell's pretty good. And so it, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where when it doesn't come as natural or as easy, it, it's it's not hard to fall out of, you know, the the, the buy-in, if you will. I, I don't want to make it sound like the kid didn't try. It's, that's, it's nothing like that. I mean, there's no, like, huge red flags. It's just for him to get – and be a factor the way that he needs to be a factor. Tennessee needs him to be a factor. Austin this fall, he's got to practice harder, right? He, he's got to do he's got to do extra film study. He's got to do things because he can't just run around the offensive tackle, and, the, and that's just that that's a natural progression for a lot of guys. He he is much more the rule than the exception. I, I think the easiest way to say it's he's got to be cons- more consistent all the way around. Yeah. You guys were talking about, you know, the the adjustment coming out of high school. And, I mean, you're on a routine. You're on a schedule. You do this at this time, this at this time, this at this time. On the flip side of that, when you leave college and sometimes the guys go to the NFL, you don't have that structure. You have a lot more freedom. And so it's an adjustment both ways as well. Well, I, I mean, um, I would say this. I would say a guy like Tyreek Key has had an adjustment period for, for Tennessee basketball. And he's a guy who's played four years of college basketball. But, but how they do it at Indiana State – the level of commitment for playing and the level of scouting. I mean, at Indiana State, they don't have, you know, a, a bench full of guys in suits or quarter zips now since nobody wears a suit, right? I mean, they, they don't have the depths of that. So there's a little bit more, hey, let's go out and do what we do and let's go play. Here, it's a lot more, okay, when they see number one go up and this guy goes to this side of the floor, this means this, you've got to get here. I mean, it's just more detailed. It's more intricate. And I think there's an adjustment for guys like that. And he's a guy who's been a college athlete. And I would say if you got him on the truth monitor and ask him what he thought, I would bet he tells you, told you that this adjustment to Tennessee has been more challenging and difficult than he thought it would be. So, again, it's, it's not 
it's not that out of the world that a guy's having, you know, that, that a guy's spent a year adjusting to college and now he's got to take a step through that adjustment. And that's where James Pierce is. Let's look over here to Nashville 615. Uh, what are your predictions for what needs to happen for Tennessee in order to make it out of the Sweet 16? Is it as simple as staying hot on the three-point line? The big men have to play better, just getting lucky. Austin, I think it's all the above and then some, right? I think it's just making shots, whether that's Kamwan knocking down 12-footers routinely or Santi, uh, you know, and Key, you know, getting a little hotter and, make, and making, you know uh, – bunch more threes. I mean, I just think seeing the ball go through the hole more frequently, I, you know, hubs keeps saying, and everybody keeps saying defense travels. I agree. The defense is going to be there, but if they can't score, then it neutralizes how good a defense they are. <laughs> well, you, I mean, so, so if they can score, they can just make more shots, be more frequent about it. It's going to be tough to knock them out. Yeah. If, if you think this team is going to win two, three, you know, four tournament games, averaging 48 points a game or 51 points a game, it's not going to happen, nope. right? You're going to run against, run up against some team that shoots the ball well. I mean, you, you just – it's you're not going to win through the tournament that way. You're going to have to score more points. I think they've got to find some kind of inside scoring. Now, does that mean back to the basket? You know, does that mean Kamwa? You know, I don't know. Maybe that's Josiah James for 15 foot. Somebody's got to score in the paint. It can't just be, you know, perimeter jump shots from the three-point line. Because the issue I see, Eric, when you watch this team play and you watch teams defend them, nobody's worried about the post. They're playing everything straight up, man-to-man in the post. They're not worried about it. Nobody's diving for help. You want to play inside out if they're worried about you scoring inside because that forces the defense to collapse. You get ball rotation. You get reversal. You get open looks. If I'm guarding a perimeter guy and I'm playing Tennessee right now, I'm not leaving his hip pocket. I'm okay. staying on the perimeter guy because I don't feel like my defender in the post needs any help because Tennessee's not proven to me that they can score inside night in and night out. Somebody's got to score in the painted area of the floor. What, whoever that is, someone has to do that. Yeah, it's got to be consistent too. And, I mean, that, that's what Kentucky did, right? I mean, Uros, good job, man. You scored 19 against Kentucky. I mean, they were guarding you, right? I mean, and, and you know, with Texas a little bit of the time, I mean, you, you saw Olivier just get really hot and have a great game. Um, you just need some consistency there. You also need the big guys to rebound more consistently. Um, you know, Olivier is not a rebounder. Julian Phillips is not really a rebounder. Uh, Jonas Adu is a good rebounder. Uh, you just need more consistent in that regard. But I guess my, my initial remark on on kind of all those things that uh the, the poster listed off i mean to make a deep run you're gonna have to have a little bit of that and, and luck certainly is one in regards to some matchups uh let's go to rhett lawyer uh once the sec expands to 16 games uh do you continue to you schedule 16 teams 16 teams yeah 16 teams uh, do you continue to schedule intrastate non-conference football games as the last games of the regular season if i own the tv rights I would not want the last games to be meaningless in the conference race. I would be more interested in South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma. Would you change Vandy to Tennessee and Texas uh, in that regards? Well, no, because if that if that's the case, you're going to go Texas and Texas A&M that last weekend. You're going to go, you know, Alabama, Auburn that last weekend. I mean, like you know, I, I just think Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see that changing. Like I, I think you stay with the, the the states that have two teams. They're gonna play each other there, you know, that time of year. Yeah, I think the question is going to be, and I think this is what he was kind of alluding to: the, in, the, the Georgia, the Clemson, the South Carolinas, Georgia, right. Georgia Techs. Yeah, you're right. Florida, Florida State. Now okay. I, I'm not sure where he brought the Texas element into that part of the question, 
but but the initial part that I read out of that question when I looked at it, you know, before we started recording was um, what do you do with Florida, Florida State? Because if you are the TV rights holder, are you more interested in Florida, Florida State the last weekend? Are you more interested in Georgia and Florida the last weekend when you talk about playoff rankings and playoff standings and that type of thing? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the league has, you know, there was talk in the 90s. Eric, you weren't alive when this happened, so I don't I don't. Don't blame and nobody blame Eric for this, Austin. Uh, but you know, there was a lot of people felt like and, and said Tennessee, Florida should be playing at the end of the year, and not be not playing set week two or week three because the conference race in the Eastern Division was dictated by the week three of the season. And then and, when 9-11 happened, they kind of got that wish for a win. They got that one. wish, and you know what? It was a great game in 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 two thousand one because you had. Um, everything was on the line the last week of the season. It was a true playoff game. But the conference never forced Florida State and Florida to move that game at all, and as a result, it never happened. So I don't know if the conference will step in and do that or not. I know this. I'm sure the conference doesn't want – and, you know, they, they don't want to be responsible for breaking up those rivalry games, right? So if if you say, hey, we're not going to play them the last weekend, does Clemson say, okay, we're not going to play the game? You know, and Clemson's answer is, well, we wanted to play it, but the SEC said we couldn't play it, you know, late in the year, so we're not going to play that game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what will happen there. TV's got a lot of power, as we're finding out, with Oklahoma and Texas uh, trying to get out of the league. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with with that. But that'll be a TV call. But I would say TV would rather have SEC matchups the last week of the season than a non than an SEC team playing a non-SEC team in terms of conference races. I would. Yeah, that's a tough scenario because you don't want to give up those rivalry games, certainly. But, I mean, take take it like your, your South Carolina. SEC SEC goes to a nine-game conference schedule. You're playing – say you keep that game, you're playing Clemson. You're not going to go out and schedule anybody else. I mean, you'd be stupid to do that, right? So, right. Um, it's it's difficult. Athron's got a couple of questions. Uh, now that Ablin is announced, who would you say are the top tight end targets? Well, I mean, it's holding on to Jonathan Eccles. It's, you know, Jaden Riddell the hip kid out of Arizona. I mean, you know, really the, the, the four that, you know, Matt talked to after Alec was hired that Alec talked to that first night when, after he was announced that that's, that's, that, that's to me, your top four on the board. I'm not saying there can't be other tight ends on the board because there are, but you know, you're coming out of the you know, gate swinging if you're Alec Abel and you're not waiting to call your top guys, you're calling them right away. And, you know, Riddell been really good. I thought was close to pulling the trigger back in the fall. We'll be back in March. I think Tennessee's in a good spot there. Um, Eccles, you know, again, that one, you know, if you hold on to him, great. If you don't, to me, that's not on Alec Ablin. That's just, you know, it was going to happen, right? No matter who coaches tight ends, that was probably going to be tough to hold on to. Didn't matter if Golish stayed or if they hired the greatest tight end coach on the earth. Like, you know, that one's just going to be more difficult. It's not saying he's leaving the class because I don't think that that's a locked-in deal either. I'm just saying, like, you know, you, you just got to keep, you know, swinging there, keep trying to hold on to him and make him understand, hey, the same reasons you picked Tennessee last summer are still here. There's no, you know, and, and path to the field here with, you know, look at the tight end room. I mean, it's going to be Ethan Davis, and then next spring it might be us again. We're, we got this spring off from having to play linebacker and corner the last two years. We'll be back playing tight ends next year. I guess you think, that, you, that tight end room is going to be spark. Yeah. 
you you got to think Tennessee's going to be portal hunting next year too in the tight end room J- just for depth. I mean that that's why I think they would have clearly taken another tight end. And look, if somebody went in the portal late this year and had multiple years of eligibility left, Austin, I think they would still entertain that yep. if they felt like he was a quality player because you got to have some kind of veteran presence in there next year, both mentally and physically, right? I mean, I think you like Ethan Davis, but you, you can't roll out two you know first year tight ends out there and say that's going to be our tight ends. You got to get somebody somebody with some physical and mental maturity about him. So I, I think. T- the, the portal is going to be pretty fascinating at that position for another year. Well, that's why I think it's so paramount, no matter what what happens with Ethan Davis this fall, he needs to be a workout warrior for the next 365 days because they need him hitting the ground running in spring practice 2024, no matter what he does. He may score three, four touchdowns this year. I don't know. But what I'm saying, though, is his biggest need and Tennessee's biggest need is for him to be on point, ready to go, when they head to spring in 2024. Can the basketball team win anything if the offense no shows in March? Example is the, uh, for example, is the defense good enough to carry this team? Brent, I would say, I mean, in March, the answer is no, you got to score, right? Well, I mean, the defense has got, you can't have a bad day at the office defensively. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause the, the scoring goes down in the NCAA tournament. Um, that's just a fact. Now you'll have a couple wild games in, in the first round where, you know, North Dakota State will make 12 threes because nobody knows who North Dakota State is, right? And, you know, you'll see something like that happen in the early rounds. But as you progress, typically scoring goes down and you get in those possession-by-possession games. and You've got to get stops. So you have to play great defense. You don't win the tournament by not playing great defense. You also don't win the tournament by averaging less than 50 points a game. So you're going to have to score. Um, Shooting 30% from the field. You've got, yeah. you've just, I mean, they have to play better. I mean, that's the bottom line is they have to make shots. Uh, they've got to create some opportunities to get easy shots. Uh, and, and you just, you know, you got to play well for three weekends. And that's the challenge of the tournament. And, and it's hard to do because you're going to have a night where you shoot it well um, in the tournament. You're going to have a night where you don't shoot it well. Your defense has to carry you. The good news is this defense has been very consistent, which you think will help you carry through some offensive lulls. They cannot survive three weekends of an offensive lull in the NCAA tournament and be playing, you know, the last weekend, which is what everybody would, you know, would love, dearly love and hope to happen. The same way they're not going to get to the championship game of the SEC tournament if they have a couple of bad nights offensively. You might get away with one of them, but you're not going to get through, you know, three basketball games or four basketball games in a row where you don't score. It's just not going to happen, in my opinion. Awesome. What's the latest with Boo Carter? Looked like a commitment was just bound to happen a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Matt's talked about this, and, and it's so true. Is, is Boo is someone who, you know, is kind of his timeline's bounced around a little bit. It was going to be at the end of last year, then it was going to be the spring. You know, we'll see. Um, you know, I mean, I think March or April at the absolute earliest. Uh, I, I a lot of it depends on, you know, Boo. Like, what's he want? You know, I mean, I think he's always um, – you know, felt very uh, good about Tennessee, um, but he's not pulled the trigger yet. And uh, you know, if if he wants it to end, Tennessee will be 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 glad for it to end and 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 take his commitment, I believe. But if uh, you know, if he wants to keep dragging it out and and go see more schools, then you know, you know, I guess we'll brace for the long haul in this deal. But again, I think that his timeline has kind of changed a little bit. And you know, originally, you know, he was going to do something at the end of 2022, but that's kind of morphed into 2023 
Feels like he's going to take more visits to me, but who knows what'll happen there? I mean, you know, it's like because it changes every day. But seems like he's seem, seemingly liking some of the visits right now to me, Austin. But I don't. No. That's from ten thousand feet. I'm not talking to. I'm not talking to him. Yeah, I mean, it's like Marcus Gorey. Marcus Gorey's telling you know he tell, told us at the junior day back in January. I mean, you know, sometime during the season, like if Marcus Gorey doesn't commit till the season, then you know. I'll do a raffle and pay for somebody's ball quest for 2024 at the $100 rate, not the $1 rate. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I just don't believe he's waiting till the season. I, if he's not off the board by August or by September 1, then I'll be stunned. If In, in reality, I think it, I'll be stunned if he's still, you know, on the board, you know, come July. But, you know, that's just kind of my feel. So, like, again, what kids are saying and what actually happens a lot of times is two different things. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll grab this last one here from Math Run and Brent. Tell me if I'm wrong here. The question, do any of the freshman linebackers see significant enough time this season to warrant burning a red shirt? I don't think they'll be red shirted because I think they will play special teams. That's what linebackers do, and that's what the linebackers did this past year. I mean, unless one is just not close to being on the field, but the hope is that you have T. Lander, Jalen Smith, and uh, Aaron Carter at the minimum playing every single special teams unit on the field for 30 snaps a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't think you redshirt them. I mean, I, I think the redshirt – I think redshirting kids gets harder and harder, right? I think there's a few positions you can do that at, but, you know, linebacker is going to play special teams. And if those guys are really good, you know, uh, who knows what they look like four years into the program. I don't, I don't think you sit back and say, Hey, we're not going to play those guys. I, I think, I think you're playing them on special teams. So I, I do not anticipate any of them redshirting unless physically they're just not ready. And that would surprise me. Perfect example, Caleb Perry this last year played in mop-up duty a couple snaps at linebacker, but he was on every single special teams unit, made a difference in a couple of those games, like Kentucky nearly blocking a punt. Um, he's kind of the, kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah, and those guys I, might I, play more I linebacker. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, Elijah Herring played in – he played more snaps, but it was in some special packages. They played him early. He didn't play linebacker for a – probably half the season. He probably didn't get any snaps, but he played every special team. So I just think that's – that position is such a mainstay on special teams. You're not redshirting any of those guys if they're physically ready. NWGA Vol says, I'm fascinated by Colorado's usage of media platforms, particularly through YouTube, where it appears nothing is immune from being posted for all to see. In your guys' opinion, is this a strategy that more teams will implement, particularly in the NIL era with kids and wanting to build their followings? No, I, I don't. I do not see other schools with, with all access type stuff. Uh, like that. Now, players can do kind of what they want to do, you know, with Instagram. And if they wanted, if an individual player wanted to do something, 
I guess they could. But, no, I, I don't think the Colorado players are sitting there going, all access here helps me build my brand. I mean, all access works at Colorado right now because it's Dion, And everybody knows, even Eric Kane knows who Deion Sanders is. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, AP, where I think Over it's – brave, great, right? Yeah, it's, it's the personality of – of Deion Sanders that generates some things there. I don't think Colorado is sitting there going, Hey, this is going to improve the doing this improves the NIL value of our individuals on our football team. I don't see coaches opening up like that. Well, I, I mean, like, I just think the, you know, I don't think it helps you build your brand. Now kids may get sucked into that and think it's going to, but it, I, I don't think it's, I, don't, I think that's kind of fake. Like, like, you know, it's like a fake brand building is what I would say. Like, I mean, like, Again, you're right. I mean, like people know who Dion is, but like how many people are actually sitting around watching, you know, all access Colorado Buffalo football? Like, you know, I mean, like maybe maybe a few stragglers, but for the most part, it's just gonna be Colorado people. And so, if you're trying to build your brand, it's gotta be it's gotta be more, a little bit more broad than that. And you know, um, as for Eric Kane, Eric Kane, do you know who Daryl Green is? Yes, I do. Where do he play? Who do he play for? Daryl Green played for the Cardinals. Correct, for the Redskins. Daryl Green, Daryl Green coached the Cardinals, did he not? That's Dennis Green. Oh, Dennis Green. Yeah. Ah, so. the threads are lining up for you, Eric Kane. You can't do it. We got to edit this part out for Eric Kane here. Help him out, AP. <laughs> yeah, um, whatever. We're, we're gonna have yeah. to help him. Here's here's the thing too. I do think to the answer to his question, uh, Eric, I do think you will see schools do more and more continue to try to do more and more social media stuff and, and, and market and brand that way. But I don't see coaches around the country doing the all access thing, the way Deion Sanders is. I, I don't, I don't want anybody to say that, you know, they're not going to do, you know, Instagram videos as a team. They're not going to, you know, show hype clips here, do different things. there, some all access mic'd up short segment things. You're going to see some of that, but I don't think you're going to see what, what's the, What's the HBO show that they're hard doing? You know, hard Knocks. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of college teams go, let's do a Hard Knocks thing kind of like Colorado's doing because I don't think there's enough college coaches out there that think there's any benefit of doing that for them. Hey, however, if we delete it, then the GQ is going to simply say, he is who we thought he is, and we <laughs> let him off the hook. I love that. <laughs> R.I.P. All right, Rocky Top Matt, why didn't Coach Josh Heupel put Ablin out on the road as a recruiter before he hired him? Wouldn't that have been a great chance to evaluating his recruiting ability? What, if anything, do you read into Heupel's decision to put an analyst out there on the road instead? Hey, hey that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I, I've done a little digging. This was the reason I was given. Max Thurman had, you know, had done a nice job with the 24s at certain – position so when trying to get out on the road a little bit and try to keep some momentum with 24s those th there was a group of 24s that knew him really really well and so that's why they elected to put him out on the road when they were down a coach instead of going with Alec Abel now I can buy that to a degree but you were out for multiple weeks I think it would have behooved Alec Ablin and Josh Heifel to put Alec Ablin out on the road for at least a week you know, let him let him get his feet wet a little bit. Even if you want to put Max out because he knows this high school coach or that high school coach or this recruit or that recruit. Um, yeah, I think it still would have behooved you to put Alec Ablin out in some form or fashion uh, in the month of January. But, hey, 
you know, that's the decision they made. It's uh, water under the bridge. Yeah. I, you know, you're not going into homes. I mean, let, let go start building some high school coaching relationships would be what, what I would, I, I think would, would be of some benefit there. The other question, the other thing you wonder too, is just how important it is going by and seeing a bunch of 24s and 25s in January with all the visits kids take now, has that taken on a little bit of a less value than it did? Used to, it was a big deal, right? AP, because the coach had so many things they had to do in January because they, you know, they had to make 30 in-home visits to the class they were assembling in February. So if the coach came by and saw the quarterback in next year's class or the number one running back in next year's class, that was a big deal because he had so many other things to do. There's no work to do in January for the February class for the most part. So all you're doing is going out and evaluating those guys. I don't know that it carry going by and seeing those for the next year class. I don't know that it carries the weight that it carried a few years ago because you're seeing so many of them now compared to what you used to see before the early signing date came in. I heart Vols wants to know with the ball quest edition of Matt Ray to cover recruiting will Austin transition into a Roy Firestone role for the side. If so, who will be the first guest on ball club confidential to make him cry to make Austin cry or is Roy or is Roy Austin going to make somebody on, on ball club cry, confidential cry. Didn't, didn't Firestone make everybody else cry. He didn't cry. Did he? I don't remember Roy Firestone crying. <laughs> I think the way the question reads is it would make Austin cry. So who's going to be, I'm going to be Jim Rome and someone's going to be Jim Everett. Who's going to, who's going to be that? Who's going to be there? Is there a better chance of you getting attacked and and a a punch thrown at you? Are you openly weeping over somebody's story in ball club confidential? Um, I, I, I'm not a crier really. Um, I'm not saying I can't be emotional because I can, but, uh, um, no, I'm not going to be a crier over Tennessee football or someone's story. Um, you know, as, as for, uh, you know, someone trying to, you know, fight me for calling him the wrong name, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mess up the name or insult him. Um, no, but, that uh, would be me. <laughs> I, I, for everybody I'm, wondering right now. Yes. I watch that video every year on the anniversary because he tweets it out and I love it. And yeah. I think it's hilarious. Um, you know, I'm not transitioning into anything. Um, I would just venture to say, I would say Matt Ray, to put this to put this in a baseball terms for Kane, since he's our baseball guy, yeah, um, you know, he's Dave uh, Kane or uh, Matt Ray's going to be David Wells or David Cohn or Andy Pettit or Roger Clemens, and I'm going to be Mariano Rivera. So, oh, Austin right. just called himself the closer, Eric Kane, the closer. Austin Price. Hold on, for the for everybody out there that um, you know thinks I don't know any baseball, Austin Price just announced himself as the first unanimous Hall of Famer ever in Mariano Rivera. I love uh, it. Let's put it, put it in Braves terms. Um, you know. You're the Gene oh, Garber. You're the oh, Steve Bedrosian Gene Garber. Well, I was going to say, well, you could go with Steve Bedrosian. I was going to go, if we're going to stick with the early 90s Braves, um, early, early 90s, back before Kane was born, in that same Kirby Puckett timeline, uh, we'll go uh, – Matt Ray is the Steve Avery, and I am the Alejandro Pena. Mark Wollers? Uh, he was mid-90s. Um, but, yes, uh, you could go that as well. It, it doesn't have to be the, the, the only uni- – uh, you know, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Mariano Rivera. The only I'm going uni- to call you Jesse Orozco. That's fine, too. <laughs> Either way, like, recruiting doesn't change. It's like 
This site only got better with Matt Ray. Absolutely. I hope everybody understands how much better it's gotten with Matt Ray, and you can expect me to continue to be me. And, First and ever you have that, right? Yeah, there's good and bad in me being me. I'm gonna be a smart aleck, you know, but I'm gonna have fun. We're gonna do chats. Nothing changes. There's nothing nothing changes uh from, from my perspective. We just get mad on here and you know, it just makes us better. Arberger wants to know what upperclassman is starting to put in the work focus and looks ready for a Theo Jackson, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman type leap this offseason. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, if you asked me last, if you asked me the past two Februarys, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said Jalen Hyatt. I would have told you Jalen Hyatt needs to have a Theo Jackson type. He needs to have a great offseason, but I didn't know on February the 8th that Jalen Hyatt had quote turned the corner and done a 180. You know, he's going to get five touchdowns against Alabama. Right. I mean, you know, so, I mean, there, there are certainly candidates out there for some guys. I mean, look, some of those veteran defensive backs need, need to go. I mean, I think Danico Slaughter is a great example of a guy who, if his buy-in to if they find him a position, his buy-in to the position is at, at a higher level. I think Danico Slaughter can, can further take off and he did some good things, but I think he could even further take off, uh, this fall, um, you know, but in, in terms of what guys making the most noise right now, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, heck there's 19 new guys on campus to try to figure out who they are. I can tell you this, Deontay Thornton, he looks like a dude, right? AP. Oh, well, he's pretty now. Yeah. He looks like a dude. <laughs> I'm, curious to see I'm curious to see what he looks like. Cause when he walks through the building, you go, everybody goes, who's that guy? Right. Yeah. Who is that guy? And then if, they tell, then if, his tell play, if his play matches just his presence walking through, then then watch out again. Halsley talked about him being super fast. We all know Hypo loves guys that can run. He's got some size to him too. I mean, he's not real thin. He's well put together. No. Again, he is. He's, when I saw him at the airport, he is, in my opinion, the perfect outside option in this offense. Can he play slot? Sure, but he looked perfect to be out on the edge in this offense. I can understand why he looked at the offense and went, Hey, I probably fit in pretty good there. <laughs> you know, I probably, I probably a pretty good fit for that offense. Cause he looks, you're right. He looks like he would be tailor-made for what Tennessee likes to do with their receivers outside for sure. Tornado Vol says is the over under uh, for 800 yard plus receivers is set at two and a half. Do you take the over or the under? He said, I'm going with the under, but I think brew, goes 1,000 plus, and Squirrel slash Thornton also pushed for 1,000. So 800 yards, if the over-under was set at 2.5, you clearly take the under there um, because that being three receivers getting over 800 yards or set receiving yards, I think that's excessive, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think that, that you know, if you get to that point, that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, this past year, I mean, said got hurt. Um, so you, you couldn't get a real judge on it. But, you know, for most of the year, you know, you, know, you had Brew and Jalen. Brew ended up with – almost 700 yards. Um, and Jalen had Jaylen over 1,200. Yeah, Jalen had silly numbers. Um, you know, and had he, you know, had Jalen played the bowl game, he would have broken Robert Meacham's record for uh, receiving yards in a season. Um, yeah, I mean, I would go under as well. I think it's far-fetched to think they're going to get three at 800-plus, but I do think that they have a 1,000-yard guy and somewhere right around 800. Yeah, the thing, the thing that gets lost is they like to run the football. They want to be balanced. I mean, this is not going to be an 80-20 you know, past run ratio. So, um, yeah, I, I would take the under on that. I don't know that you'll see – I don't know that you'll see three receivers put up that the, – the, you know, that amount of yardage. I mean, 
I think that's a tall, tall task to do. So give me the under, but give me two. Not right. one, two. We got another Coach Prom question, so the GQ will be happy about this one. Upper East Tennessee Vols says, what is what kind of impact in college football recruiting do you see Coach Prime having, especially since he is targeting Georgia and Florida? Also, does Tennessee ever look at student-athletes further east than Knoxville? Well, sure they do. But, yeah. I mean, there's got to be somebody up there worth recruiting. I mean, like, you know, I, I, you know, every year somebody thinks, oh, this guy's really good, you know. Um, I mean, like, you know, my cousin Amos um, Rogan, you know, he was a big fan of Malachi Dowell at, at, at White County. Malachi had a phenomenal year, man. You know, he made 3,000 yards rushing. He was ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people over there in White County thought he ought to be, you know, a power five guy. But, you know, and, and but he's going to Austin P. And that's great. He'll do really well there. There's no shame in that. Um, you know, so, I mean, like, again, I think to be a power five football player, it takes uh, – you know, just it, it takes just something real special. I mean, like I, the people that get to the to get to play football at the Power Five level, um, that, it's, it's a real blessing. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much of a blessing it truly is because there's a lot of good players that just don't end up with that opportunity. Yeah, and as for the the Deion Sanders question, you know, he he's going to make noise and and he's going to be talked about. At some point, he's got to be successful. I'm not saying he won't be, but he has to be successful. Um, and there's a geography thing to this thing too, right? I mean, you're going to go to South Florida and, and pull out 10 kids and take them to Boulder, Colorado. I, you know, I mean, he's going to have to recruit Texas. He's going to have to recruit on the West Coast. He could cherry pick some in the South, you know, with some potential relationships. But but I don't think he's going to come in and suddenly scare Georgia, you know, scare Florida State, scare Florida uh, you know, and, and get a bunch of recruits from those guys. Now, I'm not saying he won't get some Florida kids, but head-to-head, is he going to beat out Florida and Florida State consistently to put a class together? I, I have a hard time seeing that long-term. I think he's got to make some hay in Texas. I, I think that's where you will see them be the most active and the most successful is in the state of Texas, in my opinion. Well, and that's where he coached high school ball. That's where he's got, you know, some connections. And, and furthermore, I think at the end of the day, Dion is much like he tried to use Jackson State as a springboard – Colorado is a springboard to, for him to go get uh, the next big job. So, you know, how long will he be there? I don't know. Will he do a good job? I mean, he surrounded himself with some good coaches. And, you know, I think as long as they uh, stay within the framework of the rules and stuff, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'll say this, Eric, in, in, in looking at him and, and watching what he did at Jackson State and everything, it's not a gimmick. Deion Sanders coaching and running a program is not a gimmick. It's not just a – it's not just a flash or a, a fancy name or whatever. I mean, I, I think he's committed to it, and I think it's. I think people see that he's committed to it. The evidence of that is the staff that he's put together at Colorado says that he's committed to it. So I don't think it's a gimmick. I just don't know that he can go down there and 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 be as successful in in Florida because it's a long ways to Colorado. It's not easy to get no. to. Yeah. Again, I mean, it, that, that that's a that's a tall task to to get a bunch of. You know, four, highly rated four star and a couple of five star athletes to to go there to Colorado and play. I don't care who you are. So, can you get a couple? Sure. Are you going to get an awful lot to compete with the likes of Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and some of these teams in the SEC? Probably not on a consistent basis. Um, yeah, coordinators. Uh, as we wrap things up here, a couple of minutes. Yeah, coordinators Tim Banks and uh, Joey Halsley speak to the media on Wednesday afternoon. And Alec Aitlin, first time new tight ends coach for Tennessee, spoke to the media. Uh, Brent Hubs, any takeaways? A uh, big time on the Tennessee football front as you now kind of 
start this winter workout phase of the offseason? Well, I, I, you know, I like to hear Tim Banks say, you know, the two priorities for them are getting to the quarterback with four guys and tighten up in the back end of the secondary, you know, because I, I, I think that I think they got to tighten things up and, and take some more chances back there. And, and hopefully the competition in the back end this spring and uh, this preseason, uh, you know, come fall camp will allow guys and, and will force guys to play more aggressively and not just be tackle guys out there. They need some guys to go in and, and make make plays on the football, and uh, hopefully more competition will allow them to do that. I, I said this on the two-minute drill and, and um, on Wednesday, and, and I believe this. I, I think this is going to be the most competitive spring uh, that we've seen in a while uh, because I think the roster is getting closer. I'm not saying it's where George's roster is or – or anything like that, but I, I'm saying from my, if they can stay healthy over the course of the next 40 to 39, 40 days and um, not lose anybody to, to crazy injuries or anything, I think they're going to be more competitive um, across the board this spring than we've seen in the past. And I think that's a real positive for Tennessee. That's my big takeaway heading into spring practice. Dave, you got anything from Wednesday? Uh, not often do we get a lot of media availabilities for football outside of spring practice of the spring. No, uh, you know, I, not much more than what Hubs just said. I mean, I, I think it's good to hear that Tim Banks wants to get to the quarterback and wants to tighten up the back end. We'll see what tightening up the back end means. You know, right. I mean, does that yeah, go do it? Does that mean change? Uh, you know, or does that mean we're going to try to improve our our schematics and technique? Because I think it requires change to truly tighten up the back end. We'll see what happens. Spring practice not that far away. It'll be starting here in the you know a couple of months here. And March twentieth, March thirty nine days. Yeah. So a li- little over a month actually. So yep. it's really not that far away. I, was, I look game. forward to that day, Hubs. March twentieth. Get me to March twentieth. <laughs> Will you still be on baby food at that point from Man. your from your procedure? What do we got going on there? I I, I just hope that you know we get to the March twentieth. Let's get to that date. I'll be happy. I'll be the happiest man on the practice field, baby. That'll oh, be one, that'll be that'll be one month post uh, post tonsillectomy, and and none none of the people I know that have had it do me any favors by going, man, it's awful. It was the worst <laughs> thing ever. Thanks. Appreciate You'll be okay. You. You'll be okay though, right? Uh, I had mine done while I was wearing my George Brett five shoes, so <laughs> I don't know what that feels like because I was a little feller when I had mine as, done. As as the doctor who did my daughter's uh, told us, it's like scooping the seeds out of a cantaloupe for a kid, and then you're literally like trying to uproot a tree trunk when you're an adult. So, oh, sounds awful. The good <laughs> news is for my wife, she'll. Uh, the, there's good and bad news. She won't hear me talk a whole lot. Uh, after this happens, the bad news is, is I'm the worst patient on the earth. A simple head cold has me asking. I can uh, 100% buy into that. <laughs> oh, listen, I, I never, I never, I never will never dispute it. I, I, I will never, my wife is a thousand times tougher than I am. My sister is a thousand times tougher than I am. I am the worst patient on the earth. And I have no qualms saying that I don't, I don't, I don't run from that. I don't try to act like something I'm not, um, you know. Uh, it, I'm not good. A, a simple head cold has me telling Jesus to take me now. So <laughs> it's going to be rough. God, man. Just be thankful you don't have enough experience for it to feel for you to, for you to be a good patient. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you're the you're the polar opposite of that. I mean, you're tougher than nails and had 77 procedures done. So, yeah. well, I mean, also, I set off a metal detector like a case of nails at Lowe's does too. So, other than that, I'm in good shape. 
All right. Big thank you to all you guys for sending in the questions here today and joining us on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Big thanks to um, you guys for always doing this. Awesome prize sprint hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Big hey, thanks to ex- – Hey, Kane, I'll, I'll send you your list of 20 vocab words. It's like, it's like a spelling test now for you. I'm going to send you yeah. 20 names to research before the next podcast so we can try to make sure – that uh, you're learning that you're learning the history of sports pre 1990. It'd actually be fun for me to list exactly what I know about each person and, and see how many of that list of 15 I would get initially before <laughs> our right. research. That's right. He's Eric Kane. That's Brent Hubs. I'm Austin Price. And for Dennis Green and Daryl Green, <laughs> this has been the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast brought to our good friends Exterior Home You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.